Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I'm Adam Diamond, and today you're going to hear another part of our Growing Up series. This time we're going to be talking to Curtis Rogers, who is an intern here at Malwin Mission, and you'll hear as uh, him and Steve Bray work through it, how Curtis grew up in the Salvation Army, um, how that's impacted him now, and how he's come to work with us here at Mile One. Uh, so I hope this blesses you, and uh, yeah, take in the interview. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rugged Theology. We are glad that you are tuning in and listening. And again, we hope and pray that we can be an encouragement to you and also be informative, be a, a resource for you to come and, and learn things about Jesus, the Word of God, and about how Jesus and the Word of God changes our lives. My name is Pastor Steve Bray. I'm the lead elder of Calvary Baptist Church and the executive director of Mile One Mission. And I've had a really cool privilege over the last number of weeks to interview the men and women, or many of them, we're still in the process of doing that, who make up Mile One Mission. And we are a diverse group. And we've already heard from some of our friends like Dana Walsh and Matt Leahy and Adam Diamond and Dave Drover. And today we have a new guest with us. His name is Curtis Rogers. Welcome, Curtis. Thanks. So Curtis is pretty much the newest addition to Mile One Mission. He is a full-time intern with us. And uh, I'm not going to go too much more into that because I want you, the listening audience, to get his story. But um, if you've been following our podcast, you have learned that we are definitely not just diverse because we're male and female and different places of Canada or background. We come from all kinds of denominational and religious backgrounds. So whether it be Roman Catholic or Anglican or Pentecostal, I myself will get to tell my story in a little while, talk about my life. I was born into an Anglican church experience, but my parents brought me very at an early age into a Baptist world, which is probably the least known world in Newfoundland. But Curtis comes from another one of those uh, denominations, his background, and I want to get his story. And Curtis, thanks for being with us. But um, I have always contended, Curtis, that there are five religions in Newfoundland. You're either Catholic, Anglican, United, Pentecostal or Salvation Army. Yep. And this is where you come in because you basically come from a Salvation Army upbringing, a background. So maybe if you just introduce yourself a little bit, tell us who you are, how old you are, you know, those types of things, give people the 411 on Curtis and um, tell us what was it like growing up in that Salvation Army tradition and how did it shape your faith? Yeah, so I'm Curtis, and I'm an intern here at Mile One Mission. I'm 22, and um, yeah, I grew up most of my life in the Salvation Army, uh, except for a four-and-a-half-year stint in the Middle East in Qatar. I lived over there from 07 to 2011, and we went to a Baptist church over there because it was that's just what was around, the closest evangelical church. Yep. Um, but most of my life when I came back and before I went, it was, it was Salvation Army. Um, so that's how I grew up. That's how I learned about Christianity. That's how I learned about the Bible. Um, yeah, I, it was. Uh, I had a lot of. I do have a lot of memorable, memorable experiences at the Salvation Army. Um, thinking back on like music camp and and things like that, um, uh, different conferences, and um, you know the 
just being a part of my church. You know, I was I was really involved. I sang in the Songsters, which is the choir, played in the senior band, played in the youth band. Um, you know, did all the stuff, went to all the activities and things like that. And you know, I got I got saved in that denomination. So mm-hmm. I do um, I do uh, have a lot of respect for that and uh, for a lot of people. Uh, in the Salvation Army that I do have a lot of respect for and helped grow me and maturing me, my faith and discipling me and things like that. So, yeah. That's really cool. So you just mentioned a lot of music. So you have a musical background then? Yep. Yeah. So I I, uh, graduated from uh, Memorial University here in last year, April 2020, uh, with a bachelor's of music. I uh, majored in um, composition, music composition, and trombone was my... um, concentrated instrument right so yeah i um definitely grew up around a lot of music and playing in um, brass bands and things like that yeah so um riddle me this then how do you how did the salvation army shape you like you said you came to christ in a salvation army church very very active but did you feel that you know from an early day like i guess what i'm asking is you're 22 years old this is 2021 um again the 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 statistics would say most guys and gals leave church behind after high school. And yet here you are telling me you're 22 and you're very much in love with Christ, want to be following Christ. So what in that upbringing, were there ever some dry periods? Were there ever like, what were the ups and downs of your life living, living life from a Salvation Army perspective and just in Curtis's life? Yeah. So I got saved when I was 14. Uh, that was back in 2012 at a like a retreat youth camp type of thing on the weekend um before that you know i went to church and uh in the salvation army i still enjoyed it before even though i wasn't saved um but i never really understood what it was about never understood why did jesus die or what any of this was about i just thought you know i was doing a half decent job keeping the (laughs) ten commandments so i must i must be doing all right and you know i had thought god was Santa Claus almost type of thing. Okay. Um, that was my perception. I, f- I feel like that's what a lot of people think in, in this province, actually. Um, but, you know, God saved me when I was 14. Um, I remember being at that camp on a Saturday night and just for the first time experiencing the Holy Spirit um, and, and, and weeping because of that, because right. of my own sin, because of, um, you know, and, and praying and actually feeling the presence of God for the first time. I remember praying with my youth, youth pastor. I remember, you know, the, the songs that we were singing and things like that. And from that moment on, um, I started to have this, you know, desire for God. And even right after, I didn't really know what had happened. All I knew was that something had changed and something that changed to me, it felt permanent. I didn't really know what salvation was. I was still learning about Christianity at yeah. the time and I was younger. Um, but yeah, over the next couple years understanding what it means to be a Christian, why Jesus died, and things like that. So there were um, a lot of things that shaped my faith in that way, and a lot of people that uh, I respect that helped disciple me um, in the Salvation Army. So you came to Christ when you're 14, and it sounds like for you, you were all in. Like when you you met Jesus, when you decided, I trust Jesus, uh, like you were all in, and that gave you a hunger for your Bible, a hunger for... things and you didn't want to just be religious you wanted to know jesus yeah so okay so we graduate from high school start university any any major happenings there um it was just transition from high school university was 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 interesting because i remember um 
at least when I was in when I was in junior high, I joined. Um, I became a senior soldier of the Salvation Army. Oh, so, okay. So well, I guess what that means is, um, you you sign like a, it's 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 kind of like the Salvation Army like form of like membership almost. Right. I guess. Yeah. Um, but you you sign you know, the the articles of uh, war, the covenant that. Um, with Salvation Army, and there's certain like pledges in that, like talking about you're refraining from alcohol use and things like that. Yep. But but it, it goes deeper than that, right? It's it's ultimately about serving Christ, and yep. um, you you know you wear the uniform, and then when you're a senior soldier, you can play in the band, you can sing the songsters and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I just want to stop you there for our listening audience because I don't want to take anything for granted because I think we do this a lot. We make assumptions. So someone's out there, maybe they're Catholic or Anglican or something different than, than what we are, and especially Salvation Army. So some of the differences are in the Salvation Army, you wouldn't, you came to Christ, but there wouldn't be a baptism. No. And then communion. Yeah, there's no communion or baptism. Right. So you, you but you sign up and you use this terminology like I was a junior soldier, then a senior soldier. Right on, yeah. And there's a uniform. Yeah. Is there a history to that? Is there a reason for that? Like some of our audience might be, what's he talking about? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could take it back to William Booth, where you know, he was the founder of the Salvation Army right. and his ministry, where he was um, in the East End of London, ministering to a lot of um, alcoholics with a lot of yeah. You know, alcoholic, al- alcoholism was a huge problem in London right. at the time, back in the 19th century. Um, I guess it still is where in lots yeah. of places. and in Newfoundland, it's still a problem, Absolutely. Too. Um, so his type of uh, audience that he was preaching the gospel to and people were coming to be saved, um, or he didn't want to, I guess for him it was a type of Romans 14 type of thing where he didn't want people to, um, when they were taking communion and, and wine at that time, um, he didn't want to set off something in people right. who had addictive habits, right? right so yeah. I guess that's where the lack of communion thing started to play in. In terms of the uniform, um, his I don't think his desire, though, was ever really to start an official denomination as it was to just right. start a ministry, um, particularly for outcasts and societies and yeah. things like that. So the structure, he sort of took the structure, the organizational structure of a military type of um, organ- organization, which is where the uniforms, I guess, eventually came into. And that's why you have, you know, the ranks of general or major or... Captain. and Yeah, captain yeah. and things like that, right? So again, for our listening audience, if, if anybody ever wants to know, the Salvation Army was started in the late 1800s by this guy, William Booth, who actually was an Anglican. Method, Methodist. Methodist, sorry, a Methodist guy, um, who had a real heart for the those that were really addicted hopelessly to alcohol and other things. And so bottom line is he had a real issue because communion at the time is very common to use real alcohol. Um, but he also wanted to give this group of people who were coming to Christ, wanting to do what's right, but they, they were often homeless. Obviously, our tiered system of, of uh, you know, social standings was different in eight, late 18th century, uh, sorry, uh, late 19th century. Um so the idea was, and, and our Bible is filled with language of being a soldier for the Lord. Like, you, you know, there is that language there. So I think that William Booth was probably um, trying to give people an identity and also set them apart. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was obvious that who they were. But he also wanted to bring a sense of equality. Yeah. Um, so our listening audience would know it wasn't because he, he wanted to be freakish or cultish or anything at all like that. He honestly f- didn't want, I think, uh, different social standings feeling that superior or inferior. And so if we're all wearing the same uniform, then we're all equal. Yeah. 
Um, so I think there's some real noble, genuine stuff. And, and it obviously had a very positive influence on you. Yeah. Like, I mean, for you know, I, I, maybe people are out there going, you're telling me I got a 16-year-old to a 21-year-old, whatever, um, in 21st century Canada wasn't put off by wearing a uniform. No, and I never really, um, uh, because I guess I grew up and it, it didn't, it didn't seem, you know, right, word to me in any way. Okay, um, you know, but I guess if I was going to an <laughs> Anglican church, I might be put off by all the, um, you know, different different practices that they have too. So right. I guess it sort of depends on your upbringing on what you're used to. But um, yeah. Okay, so I, I got a young man here who loves Jesus who seems very appreciative of his heritage and the parents that God gave him. He's been influenced. He's had great influences in his life. But obviously, if you're here on this podcast, and we've said that you're an intern here at Mile One Mission, and so we're not Salvation Army. <laughs> yeah. um, so tell me, uh, how did that journey go? Because I assume that happened somewhere post high school and, and into the university time. So yep. obviously you've been on a spiritual journey. You've made changes in your life. So maybe tell our audience, what's the rest of Curtis's story? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess university, I started, started music school. Um, and you know, I, 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 you know, basically a, a lot of the friend group I had in, in high school and things like that, a lot of that stuck around for at least the first year. Um, but, but I remember though, when, People that used to come to the come to the temple in high school, and people that were part of the senior soldiers, part of the band, part of the songsters, started falling away. Um, and then, uh, some of whom, uh, many of whom actually, um, started rejecting the faith. Okay. And you know, so I was starting to wrestle with that. It was like, what did that mean? Did that mean they lost their salvation, or did they not have it to begin with? Right. Um, because you know, in the, the Salvation Army's um, uh, doctrines. Uh, it says that we believe that uh, continuance in a state of salvation depends upon continued obedience to Christ. Okay. So then, all of a sudden, you know, I'm coming from that Arminian perspective, right? Where, um, where uh, you you can lose your salvation, and um, and the concept of total depravity is different, right? Where you know there's provenient grace and and things like that, and um, and I start start to wrestle. I'm like wrestle with that. I was. I was going through a lot of um, trying trying to study a lot of theology at the time, especially in you know the middle of my degree in university, and looking at a lot of sermons, and and ran into guys like John Piper and Matt Chandler and Tim Keller and John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul and and guys like this, and um, and no doubt there's one you've left out. Oh, Paul Washer. Right, yeah. Can't, can't forget Paul Washer, yeah. Can't forget the shocking youth sermon, because <laughs> that had a significant impact on me. Right. Um, so just starting off with that and just um, getting introduced to Reformed theology. Um, but if I can, Curtis, I'll back you up a little bit. So so what I'm hearing you tell us, though, and f is that you had a pair group, and uh, as I say it, because I'm a pastor and I'm, I'm very keen to know what's out on the internet, what are the statistics. I listen to Tim Rader, Tom Rainer, hmm. all these different things, and they do a lot of surveys and they tell us a lot of things. And so here you are, a young man who's been on fire for the Lord, loving the Lord, you know, loving and appreciating your tradition. Um, but a lot of your pair group starts to, seems to abandon, leave, have doubts, whatever. And I'm hearing you say that basically this triggered a theological crisis for you. It wasn't a faith crisis, but a theological crisis. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never really doubted 
God really too much in that time or anything. There, I still had, you know, struggles with that throughout um, my faith in my early years. But um, it's uh, I, I really started wrestling a lot with the theology, being exposed to um, preachers and sermons that sort of taught a little bit differently uh, with with different theological concepts. Right. Um, and, and not to mention, you know, a lot of progressive Christianity was starting to sneak in a little bit too amongst young people. Okay. Um, it seems to be doing that today in a lot of churches, unfortunately, where, you know, all of a sudden we, we don't even have any reason to believe why Jesus died for us because, you know, right. you know, he, he, he died, he died for everyone. It doesn't matter if you believe in him or not, everyone's going to heaven and, right. and sort of, it, it, it tends towards universalism at the worst, but at the very least we start rejecting some basic Christian beliefs about, you know, um, sexual morality regarding mm-hmm. marriage, um, things like that, um, abortion even. Right. Like, it's incredible the the amount of, you know, postmodern cultural Marxism that worked its way in trying to be Christianese. Right. But it, it's it's obvious that it, they don't, the two don't go together. Um, yeah, so this fascinates me, and I, I don't know about for our audience, so I have a, I have a 22-year-old here who basically, I hear you telling me that you had a theological crisis of faith because you had friends that seemed to be just abandoning the faith, and you were taught, basically, you can be saved or right with God and then not right with God. So that kind of drove you, instead of from the Bible, but to it, and then you were fighting cultural norms. If in, and, and this is what I want my audience to hear, is we tend to think that to have good churches— we do need to water this down. We knew we need to go to the lowest common denominator. I got a young guy here in front of me right now, bravely talking out to the airwaves that you're saying, no, it actually drove me nuts because if there's no absolutes, then what am I living for? What am I living to? There's no reason to believe any of it then. If Right. Yeah. And so I think this is an important thing. So, so tell me then, so continue your story. What, what happens from there? Like you get into, you, you, read a bunch of sermons, read some new theology, hear a bunch of new preachers, now what? Yeah, so if there's two basic things that sort of that sort of drove me, um, it was it was the theology perspective. I was learning a lot more about theology. Um, and it was the fellowship. Oh, so okay. uh, the, the the progressive Christianity really drew me away because if I'm if I'm thinking like, well, I want um, friends that are going to hold me accountable for 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 my sin, tell me what I need to hear, and not always what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. And if in our culture today, with its twisted definition of love being all about affirmation and nothing else, very few people are willing to tell you what you need to hear. They just want to please you. Um, so I'm thinking, well, if I want genuine Christian fellowship, um, as I see it biblically, you know, I want uh, deeper friendships. Uh, so that's when I started actually going to um, a Mun Christian fellowship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is. Uh, a part of intervarsity, right? And um, met guys here like like David Drover. Uh, he was one of the guys that that really introduced me. And I was looking at I was looking around at you know Reformed churches in Newfoundland before that. I was like, oh, well, I guess Calvary's the only one. <laughs> and looking around before I joined Munciaf, and then when I joined Munciaf by the sovereignty of God, like more than half the people there said they went to Calvary. So I'm like, well, well that's that's an in. Okay. So um, I started. Uh, was interested and came to a couple of services and really enjoyed it, but still, you know, wasn't fully committed to leave or anything yeah. yet. But I, I did form a lot of really good friendships in in Mun Christian Fellowship, um, and, and many of those people still go to Calvary. Right. But I went to Calvary and are still coming, 
And yeah, so the fellowship was a big thing. But throughout this too, I am making that theological journey where I am transitioning from an Arminian to, you know, Reformed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've, I, <coughs> the first sort of, first couple doctrines that I started um, embracing was, you know, the Reformed perspective on total depravity, which led to um, uh, P- Perseverance of the Saints was another one. And again, I just want to stop because our audience might be like, who's the 22-year-old dropping these big $50 theological handles and what's this all about? So bottom line is, what you're saying is um, you you have been studying God's Word and you're realizing that people are—we don't become sinners. We don't— we don't become sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Exactly. And and therefore we need Jesus. We can't just clean ourselves up. We're not going to be able to make ourselves better. Yeah. That we are totally depraved. And in, in other words, that um, the reason evil exists is because of us. Yeah. And, and so on and so forth. And so this is this brought you a sense of clarity. Brought you to Calvary Baptist. Yeah. So here you are now, an intern at Mile One Mission. So you got a music degree. At Memorial University, you've got a legacy of music. You've you've kind of been raised in one tradition. You have left it because I assume too. Did you're at, you're at a Baptist church now? Did you ever get baptized? Yep. Yeah. So I I got baptized in January of 2018 um, here at Calvary while I was still going to the Salvation <laughs> Church. <laughs> and and to their credit, I think you you talked to people at the Salvation Army about this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told uh, I told my pastor at the time that that I did get baptized and you know, he was all for it, which which was great. Um, yeah, and I do I you know, again, we might have areas where we disagree with with some of our brothers and sisters at the Salvation Army, but I do want to give credit where credit's due. Like they didn't nobody attacked you, nobody no. nobody went aboard of you. No, they no. were very kind, very gracious. Yeah, and, and even today, there are a lot. There are a lot of people um, left there that I'm like, well, you know, I sort of I, I miss them because right. they were, um, um, they are people who love Jesus. Yeah, um, and I can think of some people right now off the top of my head that um, that made a profound impact on me and always always looked out for me and always yeah. asked me how I was doing and things like that. Yeah. Um. So I don't want to I don't want to come off like you know I I left for 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 reasons, but. I do have a lot of respect for a lot of people who are still yeah. there. And praise God. And I think that's very important. So, but now tell the rest of, I guess, the finishing part of your story that brings us up to Curtis at 22 here in 2021. Um, why are you here at yeah. mile one and what's, what's going on in your life now? Yeah. So I've, um, I, I've certainly felt, felt the call to ministry and just been confirmed in that, like beyond a shadow of a doubt where, you know, if I was to do anything else, I would feel like I'm disobeying God. Okay. Um, so mile one mission is certainly a, a door that opened up for me. I started interning here summer of 2020. Um, but the spring leading up to that, after I graduated from university, I was still like on the fence because for the past like th- three or four years, even when I was making this denominational transition, um, I felt some sort of call to ministry that okay. I thought, you know, regardless of whatever I do, I still want to be involved in ministry some way, even if it's non-vocational. Yeah. Um, and so I always felt that tugging at the back of my mind, and you know, just a couple things happened throughout the throughout the spring. Um, I was praying a lot at the time, like God, show me if you're calling me to this, show me, because a part of me was a bit like Jonah, where I wanted to run away from that. Like I don't want to go into ministry. I want to, you know, that means I have to depend on God too much, and, and for my finances <laughs> and things like that. You know, I just want to. I wanted to be a police officer. Um, you know, and that that was one thing I had desired for. And another thing that 
I also had a desire for was being a professional musician. Right. Um, I was playing in a rock band at the time, and I was praying at the same time, like, God, show me if you're calling me to ministry here. And then, um, and then, like in in June, just before basically, I started interning here at Milan Mission. The guys, the guys in the band were like, uh, "Yeah, we, we we think that we just have different musical tastes. Like we're more like." We want to play more hard stuff, and you're a bit more into the soft rock. And I'm like, <laughs> so I essentially got kicked out of my band. I'm like, well, if that wasn't the will of God, because the, the very next day you know, I I went for a drive, and and I just felt this absolute confirmation that well, that was God calling me to ministry. Okay. Um, and I just feel right now, if I was to do anything else, it would feel like disobedience. So, um, I here I here I am now, where you know I'm an intern here on my own mission. I hope to, um, you know, I'm going with Adam here. Um down to downtown yeah. to help to be an interim and an assistant to him as he plants a church down there, which I'm super pumped about. Um, at the same time, I'm going to be, uh, Lord willing, doing um, some, going to seminary yep. online, but from Union School of Theology in Wales, and uh, be working here as well at the same time, get my graduate diploma and eventually my Master's of Theology, so I'm really looking forward to that. Cool. Yeah, so I'm, right now, just the concept of Planting a church downtown is just really exciting. Yeah, and I love the fact that you were so honest with everybody because I think that there's probably a lot of, you know, uh, caricatures about young people that want to follow Jesus um, as if you're some sort of a prude or you don't have desires. And it's kind of neat to hear a guy, yeah, I was trying to figure out if it was called to Jesus, but I had my rock band here on the side. It just says, I just want people to realize you're just a regular dude who's just trying to figure out life, where do you belong, how do you supply, looking for love, you know, wanting to be in love, wanting to have good friends. Um, and so for any pastors out there or moms and dads and stuff like that that might catch a Rugged Theology podcast as you hear all these different stories, I just want you to see this. This is just everyday life. Um, and not to be afraid of your Bible. Like, And, and you know, and again, I, I think we should be thankful. I hope that nobody, and especially in Newfoundland and Labrador, thinks that because Mile One Mission exists and we think more churches need to be planted, that it means we are anti um, some of the other churches that are in our city. It's not. And I think you've been very gracious and kind. Um, I know for me, on a personal note, just joining with you, my grandmother, who probably is a big reason why the gospel came to my home, is because she was converted at a Salvation Army uh, meeting out around the Bay and stuff like that. So I, I've got a, a real soft spot in my heart. Albeit, I, I would differ in some major theological ways, and, and maybe that's another podcast for us to do, is to talk about the differences and why they are different for us. But um, So maybe tell us this, uh, Curtis, if, if, you know, as God wills, and we say that not to be spiritually uh, lingo-y, we're, we're just basically saying our lives are planned out by God, and we submit ourselves to that while we live life and make decisions and make plans. So I know under the guise of God's will, but what plans, like, what do you hope that God's going to allow for you to do? Like, what's the future look like for Curtis? Yeah. So I, I, I do want to be a, a church planning pastor. I feel called to that ministry. Um, where, where it is right now, right now it's, it's, I'm going with Adam with downtown and I'm just, I'm focused on that and I'm excited about that. And I've spent a lot of time uh, downtown, so I'm excited to, you know, try to, break into that community and that culture and, and give people the gospel there. Yeah. Uh, I, I do know that there is a lot of loneliness down there, a lot of people who do not have real friends, a lot of mental illness, a lot of addictions, a lot of homelessness, a lot of brokenness, a lot of sexual trauma, yeah. a lot of alcoholism. Like, there's just a lot of brokenness, and um, 
people are people are searching with a lot of you know in a lot of spiritual ways like they're looking to you know eastern religions or meditation and things like that and and people are still depressed and and we want to you know give them the hope of the gospel yeah so that's that's where i am right now um and so downtown for you is a fascinating spot it is yeah I, and if anybody's listening our model is to plant churches in neighborhoods. So yep. even though St. John's is a is a big city, well, big city, it's the second biggest city in Atlantic Canada. Um, our desire is not to just be, plant some big giant church. We want to actually have churches within neighborhoods that are represented by the people who live in those neighborhoods. And yep. so, definitely, the downtown is a is a crazy spot because it's kind of like that money area, but it's the bar area plus it's it's the arts area. It's all those things, and you feel like God's equipped you. To go down there and be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, if there's any area that I've spent the most time in, besides where I live in the East End, um, downtown would be it. You know, I played lots of <laughs> lots of rock shows down there, <laughs> lots of shows with uh, jazz bands down there. Yeah, um, just spent a lot of time eating down there, walking down there, knowing people who live down there, and just being a part of the artistic community. And a lot of artists live down there yeah, as well. Yeah. So. And so the idea is to move down too, right? So yeah. just so our audience knows, our model for wanting to reach our city is not to simply live places, talk about neighborhoods and kind of parachute in, parachute out. The whole idea is that everybody moves into a neighborhood, becomes part of the neighborhood, loves on the people, is, does life with the people. And Lord yeah. willing, we see churches start popping up. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, buddy, listen, man, thanks so much for doing this. And uh, for any of you out there, if you're a young person and you're disillusioned or you're you're bitter or you're searching, you're questioning, don't hesitate. Reach out to us at Mile One Mission. You will find Curtis on our webpage. Uh, I know he'd love to hear from you. Moms and dads, are you discouraged? Are you wondering, does it all count, matter? Hey, if you need help or prayer, reach out to us. And pastors, who are wondering what what is the newest craze I should do? What should I be focused on? Um, and if you're out there and you're a believer and you've just been supporting Mile One Mission, this is what we're doing. These are the people that make it up, and we just would love you to continue to pray for us as we don't want to make much of us. We want to make much of Jesus, and we just want to see people from all ages, walks of life and gender uh, meet Jesus Christ in a real relationship. So thank you, Curtis. I really appreciate it, man. And um, proud of you and and just so thankful for you sharing your life like this. God bless you, everybody. I hope this has been an encouragement. Tune in again. We're going to do more of this and going to do some other things too. we got some real exciting things coming up with Rugged Theology. Hey, and if you do us a favor, if you've listened to this, would you plug it, share it, let the audience out there know that we exist and we want to just try and be an encouragement and a resource for those who know Jesus and those who are maybe curious about him. Take care and God bless everyone. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.